DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents The Daily Prayer of Discernment, The Examined Prayer, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of seven books published by the Crossroad Publishing Company on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life, the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. The Daily Prayer of Discernment, the Examine Prayer, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. We're discussing step three in the examine prayer. There's still so much more to gather from this area of our daily discernment prayer. Well, this is the part of the examine that kind of gives us the title of it. The word examine itself or examination in English um, from that Spanish word. And what I'm calling this is review. This is the the third step, the first being looking to see God's gifts in the course of the day. The second then asking for God's help, asking for the light of the Holy Spirit as we are about to review, which is step three, the spiritual experience of the day. As we've been saying from the start, the goal of all of this, the grace that we seek through this specific kind of prayer, is the grace of eyes that of faith that are, are open and alert and vigilant and able to catch the action of the Lord in the course of the day and accept it and live according to it, and also the action of the enemy who attempting to discourage or leading us away so that we see it early on and it can't harm us. Um, it harms us in, in less and less as life goes on if we pray the examine. Now, we had given some examples last time of the um, what it would mean to review the spiritual experience of the day. As we said, this is where the examine becomes the prayer of discernment, a, a daily prayer of discernment. And we review experiences of spiritual consolation so that we can joy in the Lord, so that we can see the grace of the Lord in those moments, embrace it, live according to it. And then also the moments of spiritual desolation, discouragement when God seems far away, our spiritual energy declines. And seeing that, not be caught in that trap, but actually grow as God intends through those experiences. And I think last time we had finished with an experience of both consolation and then desolation. So I'd like to take one more experience, review all of that in the light of a concrete um, person's experience. This, this again, is what I call a reflected example. Susan, Mm -hmm. of whom I'm going to speak here, is not an individual person by that name, but kind of an aggregate of, well, 30 plus years of of, um, working with this and trying myself to pray the exam and in my own life. So Susan is a person who has been getting closer to God and six months ago decided that she would begin to go to daily Mass as often as her work and her week would allow her to do that. And she's been doing that a good number of days in the course of a week and likes that, finds that that is making a very positive difference in her relationship with the Lord. And she's learned about the examine, has wanted to incorporate that into her day, and has found that Although she'd like to do it in the evening, which in some sense is the natural time for the examine, her Uh evenings tend to be uh, somewhat hectic with family things and the rest. And she's found that 
she has a window of maybe some 10 minutes or so after Mass in the morning in which she can sit quietly in church and still get to work on time. And so she's begun putting her exam into that time. And this particular day, the Mass has finished. She is seated there in the now quiet church, and she begins to pray her exam. Repeating day since her last exam, asking the Lord's help to pray the exam with grace and insight in the Holy Spirit. She now becomes aware as she sits there that something in her is very alive to the Lord's Eucharistic presence there before her in the church and very alive to the Lord's love. Something in her is happy and content in the Lord and that God's love for her is very, very real. And as she considers the the joy that she's feeling in the Lord, now obviously in Ignatian terms, what she's experiencing is spiritual consolation, a joyful experience of the Lord. It dawns on her that she's been experiencing this kind of closeness of the Lord more frequently in her life since she began six months ago to attend the daily Mass. She also notices, as she reflects on it, that um, she has more patience now uh, with with others in her family or at work, greater availability to others when they need her help. And a sense of uh, gratitude wells up in her heart as she realizes this, and she finds herself confirmed in the rightness of the decision to attend daily Mass as often as possible, and, and more rooted and anchored in that and determined to continue that as often as it's possible. Now, if we can approach that with reverence, uh, as I think we always need to do when we're discussing the work of God's grace in our lives, what, what she has done is to pray the third step of the examine focused in this case on an experience of spiritual consolation. And I think we we can see the fruitfulness of that because she has taken time not simply to uh, rejoice in the Lord, but to reflect on what's happening, to reflect on those experiences of joy that are more frequent now and related in a very real way to the um, daily Mass, which is a part of her life. Now, because she's done that, she is all the more strengthened and rooted in a practice which is making a very positive difference in her spiritual life. Well, as she continues to review the the spiritual experience since her last exam, she thinks back to the beginning of the preceding day. Or it could be this day, I suppose, even. But we'll say the preceding day. And as she had awakened that morning, uh, she really didn't feel God's closeness uh, had no energy really to begin the day the day in the prayerful way she usually does, without energy, without fervor, in any felt way toward spiritual things that she found herself considering maybe just not even going to mass. Maybe I'm too busy. Maybe this just isn't a, a day to go to the daily mass as she had planned to do. Well, as we do, finally she does get herself to church. gets her, gets there late, but she gets herself there. And now as she's Reviewing that spiritual experience, as she sits quietly after the Mass this morning, she can name that one too. And she realizes that that was spiritual desolation, the times of discouragement and disheartenment and lack of energy for spiritual things. And she recognizes, we can probably both hear the rule that's at work here, and that's that classic rule five, you know, the the enemy trying to get us to change our spiritual proposals in time of desolation. She'd planned to go to Mass that morning, in a time of spiritual desolation and discouragement, she's thinking of giving that up. And she didn't do it. A bit of a struggle and a bit late, but she got herself there. As Susan 
reflects on that and reviews step three, that spiritual experience of spiritual desolation, what happens here is that she sees it a lot more clearly now. She can see something of what we've just put into words so that what she experienced that preceding morning, she can now name in terms of discernment of spirits. That was spiritual desolation. And linked with that is the enemy's tactic of trying to get us to let go helpful spiritual plans and proposals, which are a part of our spiritual lives. And she's resolved now as she sees that all so clearly that the next time that happens, she's simply not, she's going to shut the door to that, or she's going to do her best with God's grace simply to be faithful to the decision to get to Mass that um, she made some six months ago. And I think it's important in what we're describing to, to, to say that there was no reason why she couldn't get to Mass yesterday morning. It wasn't that she was objectively too busy or that she was ill that day or anything. It was simply, simply within quotes, because that can be pretty heavy sometimes, the enemy's tactic of spiritual desolation, a discouragement that tries to get her to, to let go a helpful spiritual proposal. Now, that's the difference between a life with and without the examine. These things are going on all the time, and we can all the more easily, if it's spiritual desolation, we can all the more easily get caught in that trap. But because Susan prays this third step of the examine and reviews and experiences spiritual desolation, that experience becomes a stepping stone to growth. Far from hurting her, it becomes a stepping stone to growth as she sees clearly what happened, what the enemy's tactic was, and she's ready. The next time she gets up in the morning and is, just has some of that discouragement, it's going to be all the, she's going to all the more readily recognize what's going on and be firm in her proposal. So let's just dream of a spiritual life in which together with liturgical prayer, um, part of the, the life of prayer in the parish and the sacraments, maybe the prayer of the rosary or the liturgy of the hours in some way, or just reading of scripture, prayer together with others that we may have in the family or in a group in the parish, all the different ways that we may pray, a novena that we make. The examine too is part of that daily spiritual life of prayer. And we're beginning to see these things more and more clearly as the days and weeks and months, years are going by in our spiritual life. Something very, very beautiful comes into the spiritual life. I think we quoted at the beginning that line from Jean-Pierre de Cossade and his abandonment to divine providence. If we watched with vigilant attention, you know, if we had a faith that was clear-sighted and vigilant, at every moment we should, like John on the morning a week after Easter in the boat when he begins to realize that the stranger on the shore is not a stranger, but it's the Lord right with them as they're working. That will happen more and more in our lives. We'll return in just a moment to The Daily Prayer of Discernment with Father Timothy Gallagher. Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts, which is a 501c3 fully tax-deductible nonprofit organization dedicated to evangelization and spiritual formation through the use of new media. Discerning Hearts creates engaging multimedia specializing in podcasts and radio broadcasts, faithful to the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church and its rich, authentic spiritual tradition. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to support our efforts. We charge nothing for any of the programs that are available on Discerning Hearts, 
and our outreach is literally to the world. Please tell a friend about Discerning Hearts and either download our free apps, which are available at iTunes and Google Play stores, or visit discerninghearts.com. We now return to the Daily Prayer of Discernment with Father Timothy Gallagher. You know, I'm impressed, Father Gallagher, when you speak of this, that all those references in the scriptures of spiritual battle, spiritual, even warfare to a certain extent, that sometimes in our minds we have an image of that being this great galactic fighting, but it's not really, is it? That battle is just in the everyday little things in a very real way. That's such an important observation. Because if we think about it, the extraordinary or major kinds of spiritual experiences which happen in life, for example, the time when we realize what God's will is for our vocational choice in life, you know, that something like that, or there may be powerful moments of conversion that we've experienced, or major experiences, sometimes difficult or happy either, which really mark a new moment in our relationship with God. Those are precious and wonderful, wonderful works of grace, and we can never be grateful enough for them. But they are the exceptional moments for most of us. And for most of us, the bulk, the real spiritual life, or or the, let's just simply say most of the spiritual life is lived, yes, exactly on this level of these seemingly small things. But what we do with those things, how we respond to them, what we see in them, and how we live them, that's really how most of the spiritual life is being lived. And I'm sure, uh, Chris, you've heard that line that uh, a number of saints are, um, what which has been said of a number of saints that, let's say, St. Therese of the Child Jesus, in whom there really aren't extraordinary things. She didn't go to a foreign country as a missionary, and she wasn't a martyr, and those kinds of things that they did ordinary things in in an extraordinary way. Classic line about saints, and that really names the spiritual life for most of us. And that's why I think the examine is such a powerful prayer, because it's the difference between living the ordinary things with increasing spiritual awareness of what's really happening in them, where the Lord really is and where the power in those uh, really is. And that's too... Also, why the examine is a prayer for everyone. It really, it, it's important that the, some of the best armor that we can have or the best tools that we can have are those, uh, the big three that you've always spoke about. Be aware, understand, and then take action. And in some cases, it's not taking any action at all, but just that in itself can be an act of the will. Well, sometimes what we'll see is that we as with Rule 5, that we really don't need to take any action. The action, if you mm-hmm. will, is to to be faithful you know, to, to where we are. And sometimes we will need to take positive steps, as in Rule 13, to speak with a wise spiritual person in times of darkness and struggle and, and those sorts of things, or to turn to prayer more, or to uh, examine, as we're saying, as Ignatius says in Rule 6. It's very helpful that you name those big three which are the steps of discernment of spirits, because that's such a helpful way of, of making again this point that step three in the examine, this review, really is a daily prayer of discernment, of discernment of spirits. And if we do this day by day, what will happen is, if we know that teaching 
about discernment of spirits. And so, again, I can't recommend that too much. If we really want to grow in the examine in the way that Ignatius teaches us with all the richness and power it can have, the vision of it that we're trying to present here, the more we know about St. Ignatius' 14 rules for the discernment of spirits, uh, which is where he gives that breakdown of the first thing is just to even know that this is going on. Oh, there's consolation and desolation going on. The second is to be able to name it as consolation or desolation. And the third is to take action and accept the consolations that come from God, as Susan does, and she's confirmed in her daily Mass, and reject the work of the enemy in desolation, as Susan does in recognizing the enemy's tactic of trying to get her to leave the Mass, um, that daily Mass. The more we learn about that, the deeper our experience of step three in the examine is going to be. So this is where the two come together. We had talked earlier over a number of um, of conversations about those 14 rules for discernment of spirits. It's one thing to know what they are. It's one thing to have learned them. It's a whole other thing to be putting them in practice concretely every day oh. is the is the how-to piece. That's the link between these these two topics. In fact, uh, when I first began to teach the rules on discernment of spirits, early on when I'm probably I had less to say about them than I do now, um, I used to always build into, if it were a weekend seminar or a retreat on discernment of spirits, I would always build in at the end the teaching on the examined prayer because that was the bridge between we've learned this teaching, we've seen how effective and helpful it is, how do we take this into daily life? And the examined prayer is the way that we do that. So yes, the link could not be stronger. That's the deepest link, really. Um, be aware, understand, take action between discernment of spirits and this prayer that we're discussing now. Step four in the examined prayer is one that uh, is vitally essential, isn't it? Everything in the first steps does lead very naturally now to this fourth step, which I sum up in a single word as forgiveness. And the way St. Ignatius says this, he says that in the fourth step, he says, the fourth step is to ask forgiveness of God our Lord for my failings. Whenever I begin speaking about this fourth step, I, I always feel a great sense of, a need to speak with great sensitivity and great reverence for what this can touch in the human heart. We all know in our relationships with each other, uh, with families or friends or in any kind of relationship, that whenever there is a need to ask or a need to receive forgiveness, those are very sensitive points in a relationship. They're very beautiful points when forgiveness is asked and when forgiveness is granted. Some of the happiest experiences I think that ever happen in any human relationship is when both parties know that forgiveness has been offered and received and uh, a communion is reestablished or deepened through that. Something similar is true of our relationship with God. Whenever we approach God to ask his forgiveness, deep spaces in our hearts are, are touched. And it may not be all that easy for us to do that. Um, I suppose we've all had the experience of the sacrament of confession of reconciliation of finding it, uh, being a little nervous before that sacrament or finding that it takes an effort to actually approach that sacrament, but then just feeling really happy when we finished. 
You know, it, it's that transition. That's the sacramental setting for it. This is in our personal daily prayer with the Lord. That's the experience of step four. So it's a, it's touching very, very deep and very beautiful things in the spiritual life. Now, uh, some years ago, uh, Jean Vanier, the founder of the um, movement of L'Arche, where volunteers live together with people with various disabilities, wrote a remarkable book, on, um, which in the English translation is called Community and Growth. It's um, written out of, he, has the, he was a philosopher before he left that to dedicate himself to this work, and so he has the philosopher's ability to uh, probe and perceive the meaning of experience, and then he has years of actually watching what happens when people live together in community, the volunteers and the people with disabilities. And out of that wrote uh, this remarkable book, Community and Growth. And in that says this, forgiveness and celebration, those two things, forgiveness and celebration are at the heart of community. And he's absolutely right if we think about that. Two things, whenever a family, a marriage, friends, a group in a parish, there will always be these two things whenever human beings come together. Firstly, celebration, because it's such a happy way to live and so much happier than living alone in isolation when there actually is community, which in those various ways we, we share life together with others as God intends. But there will always be the need for the second uh, element as well, and that is forgiveness, because inevitably, because every human being is limited, human beings are going to hurt or be abrasive toward each other in various ways with the best of will. And so forgiveness is always going to be necessary. And then Jean Vanier describes what he means a bit more by experience. And I think this leads us right into the heart of this fourth step. And uh, Jean Vanier says this, we can only truly accept others as they are and forgive them when we discover that we are truly accepted by God as we are and forgiven by him, which is a striking thing that to really be able to accept my spouse, my children, my fellow workers, those with whom I share ministry in the parish, and forgive them when I feel hurt by them, the presupposition of that is that we, I know that I am truly accepted by God as I am and that I am forgiven by God. And goes on to say, it is a deep experience knowing that we are loved and held by God in all our brokenness and littleness. I'll say that again. This is what forgiveness is. It is a deep experience knowing that we are loved and held by God in all our brokenness and littleness, which, if you think about it, I think is almost the thing we most deeply all want. To know that there's a safe place where I can bring what feels inadequate in me, where I can bring what feels like failure in my life, where I can bring any place where I feel as though I'm less than I somehow would really want to be, and know that I will be held in all my brokenness and littleness in that place, loved and held by God. That's what forgiveness means whenever we approach the Lord, um, seeking that before the Lord. What I want to say now, I'm going to say uh, somewhat strongly to, to make a point. Because I think it's probably true to say that one of the reasons why we may shy away from the examination of conscience or the examine prayers, we're calling it, perhaps also uh, the sacrament of reconciliation in its own way too, is that 
is, is our understanding of what it means to bring our failure before the Lord. And I'd say the way that we often approach forgiveness is not even Christian, by which I mean, I am the accused, I am the accuser, and I am the judge. And I can be a very harsh accuser and a very harsh judge. Now, when we present forgiveness that way, something that I just have to face up to, um, how many persons are in that image of forgiveness? One or two? Really only one. Oh. There's only one there. And whenever there, I approach my need for forgiveness, and I am simply one person, that will always be heavy. That will always burden my heart. But that's not the examine prayer. That's not Christian forgiveness. Because there are always two persons in any prayer. There are always two persons in Christian forgiveness. It's the encounter between the human and the divine person. And then everything becomes different. I've never done the math on this, but let me pose this question. In which chapter of the four Gospels is the word joy most used, the most times within a chapter? Mm -hmm. I, I've enjoyed asking that questions of groups whenever I'm asked to speak on the examine. And people will sometimes mention John 15, where Jesus says, I've said all this to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete and the rest. But ultimately, and usually fairly quickly, we come to Luke 15, which is the, the chapter of the three parables of forgiveness, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. He finds the sheep and rejoicing comes back. The woman rejoices, finds the coin, celebrates, and of course, the awe, the outpouring of joy when the father meets the son in that embrace of forgiveness. It's a striking thing that the more Christian our experience of forgiveness becomes, the happier it becomes. And actually, if we look at the Gospels, it seems that the place where joy is most expressed, is most manifested, is when the human heart encounters the divine heart in the embrace of forgiveness, which tells us that, that step four is dealing with something spiritually very deep and something very, very rich as we grow into it. We, because we do grow into step four, just as we grow into all the others over time. Well, I wish we had more time so that we could go into that, but that's the beauty of our next episode. We will devote it to that wonderful step four that you've termed as forgiveness. Any final thoughts on this particular episode, Father Gallagher? Well, I think it might be a good thing if any of us listening are finding that St. Ignatius is speaking to our own experience to consider actually beginning now to pray the examine. We'll be completing this teaching in future conversations, but I think enough of it is out there so that we could actually begin to pray it. And that personal experience linked together with our ongoing conversations, I think, is probably the best way to actually learn the examine. Thank you so much, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to The Daily Prayer of Discernment, The Examine Prayer, with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, Consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, 
to help support our mission. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Daily Prayer of Discernment, The Examine Prayer with Father Timothy Gallagher.